Hey everyone, this is Josh from Life on Side B, and thanks for joining us again for another week. Today, Grant is going to be interviewing Ashley on coming out. What does it mean, and what does it look like, and are there different ways of coming out? One of the best definitions I've heard thus far is probably the way Karamo Brown put it on Queer Eye when he said that Ooh. coming out is more so letting people in. And you are not going to want to miss as Ashley blows Grant's mind, well, and mine, about what it's like to come out as a bi person. Oh, wow. Bi people got it rough. All this and more is coming up on the episode. So let's go ahead in. Well, this is Grant here, Life on Side B, Season 2, and I'm talking with Ashley, a.k.a. The Closeted Missionary. Hey, Ashley. Hello. Um, I have a question for you. Before okay. we get started on our topic, I was seriously under the impression that you were Latina. <laughs> and I it's been like years since I've known you. And I always yep. thought this. Tell me how this happened. Because this is a common a common mistake, is it? Well, one, yes. I was telling my sister about that and she's like, Well, has he met you? I was like, because she knows I have a, like a yes. lot of online friends. I'm like, oh, I no. I did yeah. meet you. <laughs> we have met. We shared an Airbnb for the first revoice, which to which you admitted you had never watched my videos. And that was the first time you heard my voice and my accent. Yes, that's true. And I feel like my accent would tell you, no, she's probably not Latina. I don't know. I... But you probably heard me speak Spanish and my hair. Yes. That's and yes. The Two things I, I usually attribute it to, because even in okay. Latin America, it's happened enough. They'll they'll try to like guess where I'm from because my Spanish is always slightly off, but I don't have like the thick, choppy gringo accent. Okay. And they'll be like, "You're from here," or "You're from here," and it's like, I've had Americans ask me where I learned English. <laughs> But I, I'm under the impression that like, you've had house. Latinos think that you're Latina. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, when I was at our base at one point, one of our, um, like our pastor, she's like, because the only like non-Latino we have in the room is the guy from Latvia. And I'm like mm -hmm. sitting in the back and I start waving. I'm like, what am I, chopped liver? And she's <laughs> like, well, Ashley, you know, we forget. I'm like, <laughs> but my name. Yeah, I think don't even say my name. I know. I I think maybe I just never made the connection. I have a very generic white name. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. But in Latin I don't know. America, For some people reason. forget that not everyone is really dark at all. There are actually a lot of like pretty white people. So depending on where I'm at, I fit in. If I don't talk, I don't stick out too much. I don't know why. 
I think it's one of my spiritual gifts to fit yeah. in Latin America. That's where God sent me, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, you had me fooled for literally years. <laughs> like two um, years. I was, <laughs> for listeners, I was sending her some of the questions we were going to talk about today. And she, <laughs> she sent back a message. Uh, I'm not Latina. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm glad I sent these questions to you. The topic for today is coming out. And so, Ashley, I was wondering, I was wondering a lot about your coming out experience and about how some of your thoughts on coming out. But first, um, how would you define coming out? What do you think the phrase coming out means? Coming out, I think one of the best definitions I've heard thus far is probably the way Karamo Brown put it on Queer Eye when he said that Ooh. coming out is more so letting people in. Mm. It's when it, it has to do with a specific part of your life, but it's when you take, when you go and reveal a part of yourself to someone that for the, mo for the most part had been hidden or unbeknownst to the person you're talking to specifically in the area of gender and or sexuality and whatever it is that you did to mask that aspect of your life you it's a like a peeling away of those things and letting someone into a more complete view of different parts of who you are what has your experience been with coming out i know your situation is kind of unique i don't think you're out to everybody is that true exactly that's um kind of like the irony of this this episode i'm actually not fully out at the moment mm -hmm. um and my thoughts on that have changed and evolved and and really had to be something that i process over the years on the one hand there are different reasons why i'm not completely out as of yet mm -hmm. one of them being I don't want to come out to the rest of the world until I've finished coming out to my family. That's a personal thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's fair too. Um, I'm only out to some parts of my immediate family. Um, I'm married to a man and he's still in the process of mm -hmm. getting used to the idea. Things. And, <laughs> and, right. Because it was kind of in the midst of our marriage that I was going through this process of figuring things out. Fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to call it, I don't know. And so he's been learning and he's in, in a part of his process. And a lot of times when we come out to people, sometimes we want to be able to control how they react or how they view things or we want them to come to our same conclusions. But we really do have to let someone process in their own time and in their own way. Another thing is ministry wise. I was out to my like mentor type people, my the leaders over me in the ministry I worked in, mm -hmm. but I was not out um overall, I guess you could say. And being out was not a concept that they would have understood, I guess you could say. Um Okay. I've never really known anyone to be out in the sense that a lot of times we consider it. Um we had one man who's a good friend of mine he's i think he's in ecuador colombia right now but he went through exodus in ecuador and you know he was 
married to a woman and he has a couple kids and you know so that was a a certain narrative that was shared and he was not private about his past and that's the way that that story was shared you know yeah. it was his past and he's not hiding it and something like that but it's not that it was not a present tense thing. So if you're talking about these things, it's fine if it's past tense. Being present tense was never really something I encountered in anyone else. Mm -hmm. Just to say the least. Um, yeah. YOM as a whole, until recently, did not have a public stance on sexuality. Yeah, except for like, um, there was like in the obscure back end of a website you could find somewhere that it said that they believe marriage is between one man and one woman that was it and that christians could struggle with homosexuality or something like that um it was yeah, not it very like a very specific. vague and unhelpful yeah state, right <laughs> and on top of that most ywam bases are mostly autonomous so mm -hmm. each one is going to have their own policies to an extent it was last year that the leaders of YWAM and directors actually met with Preston Sprinkle. Oh, wow. And yes. Preston um, Sprinkle, that's a, that's a big step for a ministry. Yes. Um, and, well, the original founder of YWAM is no longer like the acting director of it, but he said that the Lauren Cunningham himself really didn't have like an issue with the way he was presenting it, that even how people wanted to identify if that was their thing, kind of like that's kind of like how an old person's really going to see it because Lauren Cunningham is really, really old. Um, he founded YWAM in 1960, mm -hmm. and he was a very grown person at that point. Um, so him and his wife are no longer acting directors, but they were fine. He said the more acting directors were kind of iffy on the whole identity subject and the statement that came out was clearer but still slightly vague in that aspect mm -hmm. so it's kind of a thing that i want to handle on a case-by-case -case basis and latin america is just a whole different jungle on top of that so yeah. and that's why i want to end up in ministry in the future so it's just kind of it's, it's going to be kind of like filling out territory i've talked to my pastor's wife here in the states and it was kind of just like i'm letting you know that this is this is where I'm at. And she's like, okay, I know people like that. It's fine. And that it just kind of stay there. She's like, we would never reject you because of that. I know people in ministry who are like that, you know, for lack of better terminology, it was a very short conversation. So like in the few instances and the, I am out to certain people, it has gone well, but just like just mm -hmm. this overreaching public outing I have not had. And I probably won't ever, honestly, I'm not like that. Yeah. I feel like there's a kind of practical benefit to you being semi-closeted, having yeah. a bit more control over who gets to hear it's, your story and who doesn't. Yeah, and it's to true? an extent, I won't deny it. If you ask me, if you come up to me and ask me directly, I'm not going to lie. And depending on where I'm at, it, it's going to be the situation of like, have you seen me? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, that's usually my question too. <laughs> but me being married to a man it, a lot of times i've encountered people that are like i kind of thought maybe but then you were married so they kind of kind of canceled it out in their brain yeah who knows that does really complicate things speaking of coming out how 
how is your journey, your coming out journey different uh, being married to a man? That's that's something I just, I can't really process very well. I'd love to hear more about that. <laughs> well, in and of itself, I wouldn't say that I'm, what do you want to say? I'm, I'm not a Kinsey six. Okay. Um, yes, I, I should have asked that. Yes. I, I jokingly say that I'm a 4.5. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> 4.5. <laughs> there are, I, I feel like there's a lot of complexity in that, but a lot of times, um, I'll say it's like, yes, yeah, like technically I am bisexual. I am somewhat attracted to men. I am usually more attracted to women, but, mm. and I've said this to him, I was like, if it was going to work with a guy, it was going to be you. You know, my husband's. How, how did he take that? <laughs> that was a more recent conversation. He's taken that okay. a lot better now. That's um, sweet. <laughs> yeah, it is. I it is it sweet. Is. Absolutely. I am also very blunt, and my romantic gesture in the heterosexual realm just goes over my head, and I miss it most of the time. Okay. I remember when we got engaged was when I started realizing, I'm like, I don't relate to my boyfriend the same way that other girls relate to their boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it was, it was, it was me noticing it and other people too. I had people talking about us behind my back saying like, it doesn't seem like Ashley's really, she doesn't, I don't, I don't know if she really likes him and saying that like, I didn't love oh. him or I didn't love him as much as he loved me. Yeah. It was drama. I found out about this later. I'm like, y'all don't even know me and <laughs> other things that I'm just not gonna say to y'all like none of your business Sorry. yeah but it's just things that I'm like other people can see it you know and me not knowing I'm like okay yeah why do I act this way with, with girls and not this way with, with boys you know um I feel like I was straighter as a teenager I don't know if that means anything um uh, yeah what do you what do you mean by that <laughs> i was never boy crazy and i was very proud of that fact in my puritan youth group self but mm -hmm. <laughs> i was very proud of not being crazy about girls either i was like i have right so much yeah self-control <laughs> i'm <Right>. so holy <laughs> <laughs> but um let's see so it's like i would say the first time that i asked myself the question does such and such thing mean I'm gay? I was 10 years old. And then after that, I completely shut it out of my mind until I was 21. Oh, wow. 11 years. Yeah. Like, I never said the words verbally. Like, even when I was 10, I wrote it in a journal. And then, like, two years later, I went and scratched it out in case anyone ever found it, you know? But I still remember that journal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was like my first wow. diary. I wrote it in there. And then, like I said, when I was like 12, I was looking through it again. I was like, oh, that's still there. And I took like a pen and I just scratched it out really dark. Oh, wow. Okay. When was the first time that you came out to anyone? Um, 21. So 11 years you spent knowing before. To an extent, yeah. It's kind of like this knowing in the back of your mind, but you don't acknowledge it or recognize it or accept it or anything. So, yeah, it was like to an extent, I always kind of knew. I always really did know, but never, I didn't accept it. I was like, Christians, it's just that, that, that 
thought that I think a lot of people who grew up Christian think, and I think I read it the other day, something you sent that you're going to present to to youth leaders or something. Mm -hmm. You said that good Christians weren't gay, so you couldn't be gay. Yeah. You know? So I thought it was like, oh, I just have like some really, I have some kind of perverted problem, you know? I'm not actually gay. Just, just, I don't know what kind of weird thought process that is, but that's what it was. And then I remember I was, we went to this school doing evangelism and a ministry project. I was leading a team. Um, and we went to this all girls school and we did a play and it had, it's like, you know, one of those really basic, like, uh, street dramas with no words and some music. I love doing them, honestly. Okay. They're really fun. Yeah. But it's it's always a very basic storyline. You're like, you know, you rejected God and then you got a boyfriend and then the boyfriend rejected you and then you got a girlfriend and the girlfriend rejected you and then you partied and partied and didn't work out and then you went back to Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is an all-girls school. So there's going to be a couple somewhere, even in Chile. So... Yeah. A girl who at that time was a former student of mine was talking about how these types of relationships can be attractive and saying without directly saying that she was the same way because she wasn't publicly out. She said things in a way that anybody who related would understand. And I understood. Hmm. And that was very conflicting for me. And so she like gave a testimony and, you know, gave an altar call and there was this one girl who was crying in the crowd and her girlfriend wanted to kill us because we made her girlfriend cry Mm. and I mean we didn't do anything to her directly but she was really feeling conflicted and distraught and so afterwards one of my students comes she goes we should go talk to her she's crying and I was like well if you feel like God told you to go talk to her you go talk to her because I have nothing to do with this. Like, you know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, there's nothing to do with me. But this is one of my students. I'm supposed to be taking care of you and I'm just sending you out to the wolves. And so, yeah. So after that, my student goes with my other former student. They go in the bathroom and she's crying now. And I'm like picking up all our stuff and then hooking our equipment. And I'm like, and God just subtly tells me, he's like, how many times are you going to send someone else to do what I told you to do? Ooh. You could have said something. That sounds just like the Lord. You could have said something. Oh, yeah. And that's something I find very interesting about my process and all of this. It's always been God who's been the one who pushed me to figure this out. Otherwise, it could have stayed in that old diary that I scratched out till I had grandkids, you know. And at that, I was just very confused. I was like, well, what 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 does any of this mean? And later that night, like hours later, we're at the church and my student, she's like talking about why she was crying and why she felt conflicted because she had a girlfriend at some point and she felt like she was in the same position. And then my former student like looks at her to try to like make her feel better. She's like, I've been there too. And she looks at me because she's worried about what I'm going to think of her. And I just like look like a deer in the headlights and we're the only three people in the room. But I felt like it was God looking at me like, you, it, it's okay. I was like, yeah, I've, I've been there too. And then they continued talking. I said nothing for the rest of the night. Like nothing. Nothing at all. I was just mm. stone silent. 
till the next day. And then that started everything. This feels like a very uh, Jonah story. Like, eventually God gets you to do it. And you go there. And then you do, like, bare minimum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, fine, I'll go. And then yeah, that's true. Gets there and he's, like, whispering in the streets of Nineveh, like, Maybe you should repent. <laughs> like bare minimum. That sort of feels like you're. Yeah, because it's then. also like I grew up very conservative. I'm homeschooled. I grew up in the South. I don't even know. Yeah, I've been there too. I didn't even know what that meant. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't know what any of it meant. I was too ignorant and too scared to put anything into words. There was something really interesting you said. It has always been God who's been the one pushing you to explore and to find this out about yourself and to bring it to the light. And I think that's so counter to what a lot of people think about LGBT people. Like, I know in, in my cultural context, a lot of the time, religious people sort of assume that LGBT people finding something out about themselves is them walking away from God or yeah. getting wrapped up in um, in things that are wrong, wrapped up in sin. But for you, it, it really felt like God was there pushing you <laughs> and leading you into the light. And that was that was sort of your experience. Is that true? Yes. God's definitely been holding my hand this entire time being like, mm he was going to figure this out. Well, not going to figure this out with me because he already understands it all. Help me to figure out what it means for me. You know, because sometimes it was a... There were things, like, that I didn't understand about myself and I knew that that was a reality in my life. And so, temptation aside, when you try to deny that there's a problem, you know or deny that something's there, it's going to almost come up more. And it's not going to be healthy for my marriage mm -hmm. to, say, to lie to myself and say that I used to be same-sex attracted and irresponsibly, in immaturity, pursue friendships where I'm being tempted because I'm not same-sex attracted anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that's on the one hand, I'm like, I know all of y'all mean well, trying to help me, and tell me I'm not like that anymore. But that's just not true. Yeah. And that was another thing that always helped me. I'm like, it's just not. I like, I want to, I want, I want my testimony to be true. I want what I'm saying about myself to be true. I don't want to have to like change details and i mean to an extent being closeted i still sometimes do but most of the time instead of changing details i'll use a different part of the story if i can't use that part because i want yeah. to be an honest reflection of what god's doing in my life and how he's done it and i'd say like, like i said ironically enough like two things in my life that have brought me closest to god and to understand his role in my life and understand his character was the years I spent in depression as a teenager, battling depression, brought me very close to God. And 
figuring out my sexuality has brought me closer to God than I have ever been. For you, you mentioned battling depression when you were a teenager. How, I know mental health is often sort of wrapped up in journeys of self-discovery, <laughs> uh, especially coming out stories. I know that's been something I have dealt with in my own story too, but how do you feel like the, what's the relationship between your mental health journey and your coming out journey? Are they related? Did they impact each other? Yes and no. I would say mostly no, because I had too much going on in my family life and in my mental health to even register my sexuality, which is why I feel like I probably dealt with it so much later and after I was out of the house. Because I was, at that point, coming out of that stage of life and I was more free to be myself and see parts of myself as opposed to just this surviving that I was doing. And I had, I was more equipped to figure myself out. Um, I would say just, I, w I would say that probably trying to, consistently trying to mask something adds to any depressive state you're in. Yeah. Um, because whether or not I recognized it and I didn't, I do remember not as a kid so much, but more getting older consistently, always wanting to make sure nobody thought I was gay. Yeah. You know, so that is just an extra mental load, I think, mm. that definitely didn't help. But no, I don't think it was really directly related. It was more, it was a lot more um, family issues. I think maybe they seem really connected for me because a lot of my journey with like wrestling with depression and anxiety in high school Mm -hmm. I think I convinced myself that experiencing depression and anxiety was my way of atoning for being gay. Like, wow, maybe, maybe God was happier with me if I felt bad. If you were sad about it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if there's been ever a moment where you've felt something like that. I think that's kind of a twisted lie that can come out of those those two journeys happening simultaneously i think that that certain thought pattern probably came later because i would definitely say that like my journey with sexuality probably has like two parts because like i said at 21 was the first time i ever mentioned it mm -hmm. and at that point the way i worded it and like i said it was like the first time i came out the way i worded it to anybody else that i talked to was i i've been there I was, at this point, I'm engaged to a man, like, I, I must be fine. It was, it was this, all this past tense talk, and it was usually this one and done small conversation. Um, I remember after that first conver initial conversation I had, I had about a month where I did just kind of spiral. I didn't know what to think about myself. I felt like, because like I said, I had been in denial for so long that all of a sudden these memories started coming back and just recognizing things mm -hmm. that were obviously sexuality yeah. that I hadn't seen before. And so it's like a lot of new information about myself and it scared me. Yeah. Plus I felt like the worst of sinners. <laughs> um, I felt like a terrible person 
it's weird. I went how to my computer like, and I was like, I block out parts of your life and forget about them and then remember them yep. like, years later. That's so mm-hmm. crazy. And so like I went to my leader and I'm like, I need to confess and tell you that I like I used to be attracted to women as like and it's not like I just fell in love with this one one person. It was a freak thing. I was like, I'm pretty sure I was consistently attracted to women for a long time. And I I'm I'm a leader in your in your in our dorm house. You know, I'm like, um I, I need you to know that she's like I don't judge anybody off of who they were at some point in their life. She's like, this is this is a non-issue. It's like, so that being the first conversation that I had with someone in authority was very relieving, but it's an, I wasn't in a place to actually have a proper conversation. I didn't even know what I was saying. Yeah. I would say for the most part, but being met with it's 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 okay. You're okay. You're not any less for any of this. You're fine go pray about it and move on you know it yeah. it was good for me at that point in my life and then like i said i was engaged so after i had this little meltdown and this processing i did like go tell my then fiance i was like hey um i was like i was never really a lesbian but i guess i was kind of bisexual or something um <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah, Strong. I am blunt to a fault <laughs> at moments, yeah. especially when I'm nervous and I don't know how to like broach a subject. I just dump it. Yeah. And he's like, but he, yeah, he's like, but you're with me now. I'm like, yeah. He's like, and we're good. I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay. Um, that that's cool. Wow. Like, great. Um, I'm sure. Like him, it was like it's it's just it's just a it's a non thing. It's like you're with me now. You're you're better, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that's the way I saw it too. So it was like for us, it's like yeah, it's it's a thing of the past. It's part of my testimony. I used to like girls, you know, and that's just kind of the way I left it for probably about three years. Wow. Like into like my first year of marriage. So there seems to and that's be when I was like a. A progression, a subtle progression. There's like different levels right. of vulnerability. Like mm-hmm. at first you were With like myself. You were like you knew it about yourself, but you like quickly buried it. And then you knew it, but you didn't tell anybody. And then you told people that you used to deal with same sex attraction. <laughs> and then you started using sexual identity language, but all still in the past. And then where are you now? Is that, has that sort of been the progression and where are you now? Yeah. Like I said, that was the progression probably up until the point where, cause like, and I said, I used to be because of that point. I hadn't been attracted to anybody in a really long time. Um, oh, um, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So What's me, that like? like? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, oh I had gosh. a really strong bout with depression. I went through counseling and deliverance and all this type of stuff about a year before I left home. Yeah. Um, so the year before I left the country was a lot of trying to, what are emotions like? What is tired? Yeah. Like what is sad? Like what is mm. um, a normal level of nervousness or anxiety? You know, just trying to get my emotional balance back because I 
had been so off kilter for so long. Yeah. I was completely concentrated on other things. Um, and then I left the country and I went into missions and it was kind of like, just like I said, I was just, my mind was completely set on other things. And, but as you get more into normalcy and your emotions are running normally and your hormones are running normally, it's like, wait a second. (laughs) And even when, if I would find like a girl, like, some random girl cute, I'd be like, it's the enemy reminding me of my past. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not kidding. Oh, it's yeah. the enemy. You thought the devil was whispering and... about cute girls to you? <laughs> I guess. I, 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 like, I laugh about it now, but it was a very Sweet baby interesting Ashley. place to be at the moment. Huh? Sweet baby Ashley. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I was 21. Like I said, I was homeschooled. This, this explains a lot. Um, Shout out to all the homeschool so, listeners. Like I, Love you. We see you. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot you. of us. There's a lot of us. There are. There are a lot of us. Not us. Me and Bridget, I, I mean, we're talking on Twitter. We graduated from the same school a year apart from each other. If I hadn't been late, a year late in school, we would have graduated in the same class. Dang. Yeah. So side B homeschoolers, there's a good group of us. There I'll is. say that much. I know so many. I, mm-hmm. for anyone listening, I was not homeschooled, but I was a teacher's <laughs> kid, and I feel like those are similar experiences, not totally the same. I did go to public school. Yeah. But, yes. But, um... um... Like I said, it's like once, so like from 21 to 24, it was just kind of like this non thing. And then I, when like a couple months after we got married, me and my husband both went to take our biblical study school with YWAM. And that is a very intense nine month course with oh, wow. the Bible and the Holy Spirit and stuff moves and you will go through more counseling than you thought you were going to go through studying the Bible. And just, it is intense. It's beautiful. It's gut wrenching. It's all the things. But in the first year of marriage, it's, it may not be the best idea. (laughs) Oh, Um, I could sense that. Yes. (laughs) mm -hmm. I thought it was a good idea at the time. Yeah. First year of marriage (laughs) is always hard. Right. So cross-cultural, First year of marriage. Oh, yeah. Um, You're not Latina. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not Latina. My husband is. That's, yes. Um, the intensives of studying, of being in school, personality differences. I'm an introvert. He's an extrovert. He's very sanguine. I'm more of a, what's the word? Whatever the chill personality is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Melancholy? Is that it? Not that one, the other one. Phlegmatic. Okay, I have forgotten what all Peaceful. those words mean. <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, Anyway, Phlegmatic. so you got Sounds personality like you got complex. <laughs> <laughs> Plus this underlying sexuality that I don't know makes a difference. Yeah. I don't, that's the thing. Like, it's like sexuality, so it's like, that's who I'm attracted to. And if the Bible didn't matter who I would have sex with, what does that have to do with anything? 
you know, I didn't understand that it actually has like effects in your like emotional processes and how you relate to people in general. I didn't know it had to do with anything. And I learned that. Yeah. You know, so there's all these differences. You did. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is not functioning in the heterosexual way that I thought it would function, you know? Um, I'm not as straight as I thought I was. Type of thing. <laughs> Same, <Yeah>. girl. Same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It's hard out here for a six. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's hard out here. It's hard out here for everybody, but <laughs> yeah, the sixth drug. So anyway. I remember, like I said, like we had been married about a year, and at that point, there was, to my chagrin and almost to my embarrassment and shame, there was this gorgeous, gorgeous woman mm-hmm. who lived at the base, and at that point, I was like, God, I feel like this is not a past tense thing, and I may have been wrong. Mm. you know i'm like i don't know what to do with this information yeah um and i don't think anyone else here does either like i wish things were different i wish i was straight but i that's 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 apparently not the reality of the situation Mm. i've always said what is ideal many times is not reality and many times reality is not ideal Mm -hmm. and i remember i went to my leader i'm like you know that this is was my past issue but i'm like honestly i need to deal with that and the i don't know just the way that the only thing they knew about it was like i said this ex-gay narrative so it was just complicated yeah but God, I remember going to God with this. I went like with my journal and my pens, and all my stuff. And I drew um, like this Roman helmet and was writing out the scripture that says, perfect love casts all fear. And that scripture actually is referring to perfect love casts out fear that God is going to come punish you. Hmm. Wow. Because we always have, we talk about fear of God, but it's talking about perfect love makes it to where you're not scared of God. Yeah. And he's like, perfect love casts out all fear. You don't have to be afraid of me with this. You know, you want to do my will. You want to do right by me. You want to do the right thing. Your heart's in the right place. You just have to figure this out. And that's not bad. That's not dangerous that doesn't make me less worthy of being in ministry and that was because for a long time ministry was very much so where my identity was yeah. you know we always talk about our identity needing to be in christ but and about you know different lgbt people their identity being in something else but truth be told a lot of people that are in ministry we don't want to come out because we don't want to lose our position in ministry because that's where our identity really is that's your hard pill for the day. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's really easy in a in a ministry job to convince yourself that your identity is solidly 
in Christ when it's actually in being a Christian. <laughs> Just like it's yeah. very subtle, <laughs> but very, very wrong. Um, yeah. Because then you start to believe like, oh, how can, how can I be the best Christian and make sure that my identity is secure? When actually, you know, the work has already finished. Right. Your yeah, identity we think we need Christ to secure. be the best, whatever, youth pastor, children's minister, mm -hmm. missionary, to be able to make up for whatever you feel like your past was. And then the crashing reality of not what your past was, but of what your current reality and temptations are. Yeah. And if you grow up with that, idea that this is the worst thing you could ever be tempted with it really takes a toll on you yeah it's like i'm a sucky missionary <laughs> yeah because i'm attracted to the same sex you mentioned some of those verses from first john that were really impactful for you um perfect love cast out fear are there any other biblical passages that you think are really applicable to the topic of coming out? Does the Bible speak about coming out or have anything to say about coming out? It's like one of those things where I see like it doesn't talk about it directly, obviously. Yeah. But I would say most any scripture that you could apply to truth telling and being honest and speaking the truth, you could apply to that. Yeah. And not only that, there's no part of the Bible that requires of us or asks of us to hide any part of ourselves, not even our flaws or our fallen nature. Yeah. Come as you are doesn't mean that, like, yeah, God accepts your mistakes or your flaws or your temptations. Come as you are means none of it matters. And God accepts you as is. It says Christ died for us even when we were sinners. Mm. There's, there's no, there's no part of the Bible that says like, well, you're supposed to hide that one part of you. There's a part of you you're supposed to hide from people. There's a part of you you're supposed to not tell people about. If it's in there, I've not seen it. <laughs> yeah, you know? I haven't seen it either. But so it's like I said, there's not really much you could say that comes directly that says that says people should come out, and because that is always a person's decision, mm -hmm. and no one has to. But if someone wants to say that they want to because they feel like that's just the most truthful they can be, there's I don't I don't think there's any scriptural thing that you could tell them to convince them not to. Yeah. Or any godly reason why they shouldn't share that with people. Yeah. That's something else. How I you wanted... share it, that's 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 something else, but yeah, I don't really think there's anything that we should be afraid to sh to tell our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, good. That's something else I wanted to talk to you about. I think I coming out was such an important part of my life and my experience. It's sort of like the the move from darkness to light, <laughs> from mm -hmm. shame to freedom it really mirrored my conversion and also helped me to okay. understand it better 
But I think yeah. sometimes that can lead me to think that coming out is like the epitome of the LGBT life. And like mm-hmm. people who don't come out fully aren't experiencing the fullness of what it means to be a sexual or gender minority. And I know that that's mm-hmm. wrong. <laughs> I know that <laughs> coming out is very personal. And I know you, like, you're not out to everybody. So I don't know if there's a question there, but do you have any thoughts about that, about thinking that coming out is like the ultimate gay experience or queer experience? I do, actually. Um, not that it was the ultimate experience, but I did feel that way a long time. And I'm like processing, like, will I come out? How am I going to do it? When should I do it? I think I'm ready. And then realizing I really wasn't. Hmm. Um, because I feel like for those of us, because some of us, our sexuality bears very little on anything other aspect of our lives. Um, uh, for those of us who are kind of gender non-conforming, it's almost the easy route to come out first because you feel like it's going to answer everybody's questions and no one's going to say anything about the fact that now you dress different. Um, but for those of us who are introverts, it's not always going to work out the same way. Um, I'm a private person in general in my life, so I don't know why I thought that somehow with this I wasn't going to be um I was looking at everybody else's experience everybody else's coming out experience and I wanted that Mm. I'm like I want to live genuinely like that I want to be able to live openly honestly like that you know and just going back and forth on that and I finally came to this point I'm like I don't owe that to anybody I don't owe my truth, my story, my testimony to anybody. If they want to come and ask me for it, I'll gladly tell them. But I don't need to come out because so other people won't have any questions. I'm just going to live genuinely without a Facebook post. Yeah. I'm going to dress how I want now. I'm not going to wait till I come out. I'm going to, at this point in my life, I most people probably say I'm more of an ally or whatever to the LGBT community. I don't really take much bashing of the community in public. I don't say that. That's not nice and different things like that. Um, I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to live with that of all those layers that I would do, like, I need to do everything I can so no one thinks I'm gay. I'm like, well, if people think I'm gay, they're right. Whatever. I don't... My entire life, I've always said that I didn't care what people think, and I I, I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, To an extent, I don't care. Like, if you don't like Star Trek nerds, or if you don't like the music I listen to, <laughs> go away. Like, I don't care. But... Okay. Noted. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. if what I think you think of me has bearing on who I am as a person. I do care about that. If you yeah. think I'm a dishonest person, that's going to hurt my feelings. I'm not a very honest person. If you think I'm unkind, that's going to hurt my feelings because I am kind, even though I kind of do have RBF, you know? Um, <laughs> I don't think you have RBF. 
It depends I, on the day. You 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 guys I, get the very smiley, happy version of me. I guess that's true. I mean, whenever I see you, you're usually surrounded by queer people, and that that can warm the coldest of hearts. <laughs> it, 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 it and the coldest of faces. Can, <laughs> yeah. I remember when when we were all in that house for the first revoice. There was like what sixteen of us in that one Airbnb. Yeah. We weren't in there often because we're doing a million different things and mm-hmm. burned ourselves out completely. But we were all in there, and I remember when we had dinner, and we um, we actually all prayed for my husband that night because he said he wanted to have more compassion and understanding for the yeah. community, and. I remember Melinda Malone was with us and mm-hmm. she said something. She's like, you probably feel the most yourself right now than you do in maybe other parts of your life. And that's true to an extent. It's not that like, no, if I'm, if, if everyone doesn't know, I'm not fully myself. I'm like, no, I am. But in certain moments when you have to hide a certain part of yourself, you feel it, even though it may not be, pertain to the situation even like yeah. it doesn't matter in the situation that you're in but you feel it you know it um but like i said within the past year i remember last year like i said my word from god was to rest and to trust him and part of that was changing my wardrobe was buying new clothes getting rid of a lot of emergency girly clothes that i had which may sound dumb. Emergency girly clothes? Yeah, like if I needed it, like if I had to go somewhere where I had to dress that way or something, I just had like clothes that I don't wear sitting in my closet. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, a couple like frilly blouses and just some old some old t shirts that don't fit anymore because I've been working out and so the shoulder like is up on my neck and it doesn't really look right. Good for um, you. And I got rid of, like, I think it was around the end of the year. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of it. One, it doesn't fit. Two, it doesn't look right anymore because I'm used to being myself and wearing what I want. And I had to learn to trust God in that because for me, it was a scary step. I remember it would be like, I would go that way if I was by myself or with my sister or with my friend. And if me and my husband were going to have like a date night, I'd, I'd find something else to wear, you know? And I remember last year for Valentine's was the first time that I went out in like a button down shirt and, and shoes, like normal shoes, not like heels or something. And I remember telling myself, I never thought I'd be able to go out on a romantic date with a guy Mm. like this. You know, a lot of times we assume it's like, if we're going to be like that, then, you know, being our full queer selves and all this, you know, it's like, I thought the only way that that would ever happen would, you know, just be in some other life that didn't exist. I'm like, no, I can be myself in this life. It may take people time, but God loves me. My husband loves me. My family loves me. Whether they understand it or not, and my mom says behind my back that I need to stop shopping in the men's section. (laughs) She still loves me. Yeah. You know, and... 
my friends have never had an issue with it. No one is looking me as much as I thought they would be. No one cares. Someone said one time that if you only knew how little people actually think of you, you wouldn't care so much what they think of you. Say that again. <laughs> I need to let it sink in. That if you only knew how little, like, as in how not often they think about you, you wouldn't care as much what they think about you. Mm. It's like you're worried sometimes. Like, I wonder if they're thinking this or that, the other thing. It's kind of like the meme where they have the girl. She's like, I bet he's thinking about other girls. And the guy's <laughs> rolled over, like, thinking about Star Wars or yeah. something. Yeah. That is society. It was like, I wonder if they think I'm this or that. And the person's like, what's for lunch? Yeah. Like, you know, they're not thinking about you at all. That's true. That's a good word. I think I need to... So for me, like I said, coming out is a milestone for the LGBT community. But it looks different for every person. And you don't have to wait till you're fully out to every last person you know to live genuinely. You can do that. Mm. You can be out without coming out to an extent. Yeah. Is the way I put it. So good. I think what you're saying too, it really it really challenges an assumption that I have, which I think is wrong. And the assumption is that I can fully express who I am. I can express everything about who I am if you just if I just speak. But I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think that it's so difficult to know ourselves. Like we don't even know ourselves well enough. Even at the end of a life where we've spent our whole life learning, we still don't know ourselves as well as God does. Exactly. And it's it it really challenges that because I think I latch on to that. I'm like if people just listened to me express myself then i would feel fulfilled and it's not listen to you express yourself where that comes from is like if only would, if people would listen to me explain myself and i think that also comes from growing up christian it's it's, it's yeah. this thing comes from different family dynamics of always wanting to be able to explain why we're doing what we're doing yeah. and it comes from that need of wanting to be understood so it's not that we just want to be ourselves. We want everyone to understand who we are and we want to be the ones to explain it to them so they have no wrong assumption. And it's like, yeah. you have to learn to live and let live and let people think what they want. Yeah. And that's hard. That's oh, really man, hard. That's really challenging. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to reflect on that. I'll put that in my journal. Um, <laughs> think about that for several months. Um, do you think you experienced a second adolescence? Yes. Tell me about let's compare experiences yes. because I I went through that I think for the past few years. You can ask my friends. <laughs> I think I called a lot of friends crying about boys <laughs> over the past year few years. Um so I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure that was my second adolescence. I hope there's not a third. What was yours like? I I've talked to some some of the different girls in the um in the community about this we've, we've, we've talked about it a few times um because if you look at regular adolescence for an, for an extent um like if you look at how kids develop 
crushes and romantic interests from the ages of like 10 to 20, for example. Um, when they're very young in the preteen years, they don't even know what's going on. It's just all of a sudden their eyes are open and everyone's beautiful. It's like my little brother. I say my little brother. He's married. He's well into his 20s at this point. Okay. I remember when he was like nine, maybe eight or nine. I was like, you like girls, don't you? You know, you know how when you're a kid, you're like, no, <laughs> girls are icky. Yeah, I and found that really easy. He just kept saying. <laughs> Yeah, I know. You probably still think that. Um, <laughs> no! <laughs> and so I kept, like, pushing it. It was just the two of us outside, like, on the trampoline or something. So he's, like, eight or nine, so I'm, like, 12. And I'm, like, you like girls. You like girls. And I kept pushing it. And he just looked at me finally, like, with this look on his face of, like, they're just so pretty. Like, it's not my fault. <laughs> you know? He didn't know how else to express it. Like, that was the only thing he could say. He was like, they're just so pretty. You know? uh -huh. And I was like, and I've always reflected back on that. It's just this What did you say outwardly of, and what did you think inwardly? That's what I want to know. <laughs> oh, outwardly, I was like, I knew it. Like, uh -huh. there, there was no hiding it because I can't remember who it was. It was a girl he liked and we all knew. Um, but he still stood that girls had cooties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, inwardly, I thought it was the sweetest thing I'd ever heard. Oh, like, it is I just thought sweet. it was adorable. You know, it's just a kid, you know, just, just, I don't know, becoming a person. It's, it's part of life. And I feel like that's how it is. And then later on, it's like, like your hormones grow with you and, and all that. So it'll go from they're pretty to other things. And, but then you start developing like, emotional attractions for people and you'll begin to desire a relationship be it because your peers have them and you want to play catch up or there's actually a person you like or different things like that and it goes in different immature to mature stages of ways you deal with that attraction i think um and i think that in what we call the second adolescence is that when all of our peers were going through their heterosexual development in our frightened deer in the headlights state of mind, we just halted. Cause we're yeah. just like, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. So since it's not supposed to happen, it's just not, we're not going to let it happen. Yeah. Except for the parts we can't really control. And that mm -hmm. becomes weird. Um, to say the very least. Yeah. I think how I often describe uh, second adolescence is like at, I don't know, 13 or so, whenever you discover that you're mm -hmm. attracted to the same sex, time just sort of stops because <laughs> you're like overwhelmed and you're like, I can't deal with this right now. And then you just don't deal with it for like And years. it's not just not, yeah not just not dealing with it because over time through experience you learn that's because you never learn to process those emotions and you get to be 20 years old or however old and now you're allowing yourself to have those emotions that you never learned to deal with them you still don't know how to deal with them yeah and it's like opening the floodgates 
just like yeah, it's all like the panic emotions, all over again. Wham! Hits you all at once. Right, exactly. So everything you not only is it just lack of knowledge and experience of like you have no idea what to do with this, plus everything you had held in for all that time, now being able to come out, it kind of all just gushes out all at once and goes everywhere. Like even um, I've talked to a few people that are on different um points in the scale i guess of bisexuality and when they first come out they're like i just feel very very gay and i remember that one time i liked that guy and so i know that i am definitely bisexual i'm like i think about the guy like that i actually really liked in high school not the one i pretended to like to feel normal uh-huh. um so i did that too yeah um when they first come out they just feel super 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 gay and i'm like it happens give it a good little while and then it's going to level back out if you actually are bisexual if you're not it's not done wow but, i didn't even think about that right because your heterosexual side if you want to call it that developed normally with everybody else's oh wow bi people got it rough because the crushes you had on the opposite sex were encouraged by your peers you had something you had a sounding board to go off with them with you had someone to share your experience with and people who encouraged it. But for wow. the other side of your sexuality, there was no sounding board. There were no peers. There was just this silence in your room with your diary. And that's it. Like, And nowadays, it's probably silence, diary, and YouTube. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even think about the difference between experiencing adolescence for opposite sex attraction and then experiencing adolescence for same sex attraction that is blowing my mind oh yeah it's super fun so it's literally like the second because you didn't go through the first time no it's second because it's a second time wow okay yeah because like i all just over again i just i think my experience has been so one-dimensional because i just like right. didn't process through those feelings and then i did but you like process mm -hmm half your feelings Some or a lot of feelings maybe not even just half but like 100% of your some feelings and then you had to mm -hmm. process all those other feelings right and like how they relate to your other feelings later that is nuts and how they're different and is that important is that not important why is it different blah blah blah, blah. A, a ton of stuff yeah a, a ton stuff wow that's really helpful i yeah that's blowing my mind thank you for sharing that you're welcome i remember when i finally was like i said once i got to the point where i was like 24 or something i was like okay now i'm really gonna figure this out i really need i never wanted to know about the lgbt community because i knew it was going to feel compassion for them and i might end up affirming or something and that was scary at that point yeah um i sound Past me sounds like a terrible person in this interview, I feel. No. Um, have have grace for your past me's. They're all so sweet. Oh, I do all the time. That's why I have so much grace for so many people now. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you should have heard me a few years ago. Um, <laughs> but I remember, you know, I still had hope. I was like, okay, this isn't part of my past. This is part of my present. But God can still change that. That's where I was. Yeah. Um, 
God can still make me fully straight. That's that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason I wanted that was because I felt like I couldn't fully love my husband if I wasn't fully straight. I felt like it was going to be an issue. And I remember I went through like months where I listened to that first Lauren Daigle album every single day when I was praying in the morning and just flipping through Tumblr, looking at different random things of information of parts of a community that I had never interacted with at all. And I came across the definition of bisexuality that says that it is the capacity to be attracted to both my same gender and genders different than my own, but not necessarily at the same time, in the same capacity, or in the same way. Oh, very helpful. Very helpful, because my attractions to both genders are different. And I remember crying that morning in my it was like it was in my meditation time it was in my it was in my quiet time i think it was i don't know, i think it was lgbt history month or something um and god told me i could love my husband just the way i am and be the wife that i was supposed to be for him mm-hmm. just how i am i didn't yes. need to be straight to do that And that broke me because I'm like, okay, then. So what do I do now? Like, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was like, I feel, that's when I feel like you said my process had just different, like these different phases. I feel like that's around 24 was when it really actually started because that's when I was like, okay, now I am. Cause every, every time I, other time it was like, okay, this is, this is a thing. And I just leave it alone. And I was like, I need to deal with this i need to figure this out and i obsessed about it for a couple years after that yeah (laughs) i was determined so coming out to myself was a very long and weighty process yeah man there is a real significant coming out to yourself before there's a coming out to anybody else huh yes it's Coming out to yourself when you finally recognize what you probably have known for a minute. Um, yeah. Alone in the room or in the bathroom, in the dark, where you, for the first time, say out loud to yourself or write it down in a journal, I'm this or I feel this way. Whether you say I'm same-sex attracted or I struggle with homosexuality or I'm gay whatever you say however it is that you need to word your truth the first time you say it out loud is something that i think everyone probably remembers the first time they did yeah and it's important and then obviously kind of the same you say that's you don't need to come out to god after that's like well you do because you need to go have a conversation with him about that and for those of us who grew up in the faith we do that we had that one time alone like i said in the bathroom or in our room where we like looked in the mirror or sat in the dark and said it and then we go pray about it obsessively for a hot minute yeah. before we ever tell anybody it's it's you really i think people want to say that coming out is like well now i'm telling the world who i am but a lot of times we don't take the time to figure out who we are first last question is okay do you 
And this is the biggie. This is the big one. For people who are listening who are maybe wanting some advice on how to come out or when to come out, to whom they should come out, um, do you have any thoughts for them, advice for them? Mm. Uh, for those discerning who to come out to, um, you have probably already identified those safe people. Um, <laughs> which is always alert. The person who says all the gay jokes is probably not that person. Um, yeah. Even if we want them to be. Um, we know the people who speak with grace about minorities and people on the edges and people who struggle with different things. Um, people who love genuinely. We usually can see those people from, from pretty far away. Um, I remember from the time I got back to the States at that point, I left when my sister was nine and I came back when she was 16. So she was a child when I left and pretty grown when I came back. And I would hear her talk about her gay friends and how she talked about them and how much she loved them and, and the different hardships they had in our, in our yeah. church youth group and how she felt bad about the things that happened and how she feels about things she sees on TV and just different things. And like, I could tell even though she was a very young person and 10 years younger than me, she was a safe person. Um, and when she was yeah. 18, I guess, 19, I think it was last year. Yeah, it was last year. Maybe. I don't know. It was whenever Lauren Daigle was on the Ellen show and they had an issue about that. We were talking about it. And she says, yeah. she goes, well, I know that there are people who that's their struggle or whatever you want to call it, but they, they obey God and they do what the Bible says. And I think those are some of the strongest people that exist. And this is on her own. She says this on her own. <laughs> And we were at work, like, cleaning menus or something. And I looked at him like, I'm not straight. And she's, like, cleaning menus, and she just keeps wiping. And she's like, oh. Okay. And we obviously had a conversation about it afterwards. Oh, so you know? sweet. But I knew she was a safe person that would understand, and she totally does. And she's... I love her. I can... I have one person in my family that I can make my dumb jokes to and 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 say things that I can't say to other people, you know, and she fully supports me in my fashion choices yeah. and, and all that. I still have to wear a dress as a bridesmaid, though, but I told her I'd do that because I love her. Oh, and that is true love. I will wear a bridesmaid <laughs> dress for you. Bridesmaids, I was thinking of the movie. <laughs> Yeah. And if you're discerning when to come out, um, cool. I would say in that, discern your motivations. If you think by coming out, then you can just throw into any conversation, well, I'm gay, what do you say now? Don't do it. 
that's not gonna help. Yeah. They're gonna throw something back at you that you weren't expecting and make you feel terrible. Don't do it so you can think that you can put yourself out there for the trolls to feed on. Don't do that. Um, if you think it's gonna make everything easier, I would say don't do that either. If you want to come out, take some time to pray about it. Talk to those closest to you, people who you've talked to this about already. Make sure that you have a support system to do it, that there, that you have a circle that's going to be there to help you through it because it may go perfectly well, better than you ever imagined, and it may not. So you need, you need support in that time for those moments that it doesn't. But I would say search your motivations. If you want to do it because you are trying to be genuine and honest and you're tired of that, there's different different reasons. It's different for everybody. But I would say, like, don't think that it's going to be some kind of magic solution to anything. That's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. If you think it's the magic fix for some situation in your life, it's probably not. Thanks so much for talking with me, Ashley. It was a oh, pleasure. Definitely. It was a hoot. Yeah, we'll get to hang out sometime soon, too. Like, we're friends in real life, everyone. Um, aren't you jealous? I get to hang out with her. <laughs> yeah, every time Grant has a talk, I call dibs on all his notes. <laughs> like, as soon as possible. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, thanks for talking with me, sharing your wisdom. Yeah. I still have two of your talks in a notebook somewhere. Thanks everyone for listening and stay tuned in two weeks when Mary is going to be interviewing Dr. Julia Sadusky on mental health and loneliness. Life on Side B is produced by yours truly and our theme song is Driven to Success by Scott Holmes. Also, if you love this podcast, support us by becoming a patron by going to patreon.com slash lifeonsideb. Music